We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And the driving jam time. And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Now, Sports Open Line on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Awesome to be with you on Wednesday night. We're going to be busy tonight, boy. We got news from the Blues. We got a little baseball later on. Uh, we've got some... I, this is one of the weirdest stories. Um, they're just talking about it off the air. One of the weirdest stories connected to the Olympics, uh, and it's with the hockey tournament there, that uh, the, the Chinese national hockey team is at least partly made up of North American hockey players that have zero connections to China. <laughs> it's very odd. Like, what are we doing? If you're not competing for your country in the Olympics, I mean, isn't that the entire premise of the Olympics? Is that the best in the world at all of these things compete for their country to, I don't know what, for pride, for glory, for the, like, isn't that the whole point? Well, we'll get to that a little bit later on. That's weird. Uh, We got Roger Goodell sounding awkward and weird talking about hiring and racial, um, what's the right word? I don't want to say discrimination, although it could be that. Uh, because I think the pr- the part of the problem is it's pr- it's a number of things. I don't think there's any one thing that explains the disparity between the opportunities that white head coaches get or or white coaches get to be head coaches and this 25, 30-year-long issue that we've had in the NFL. We're going to hear from Goodell on that topic, and it's just I, – I, I know it's a bunch of word salad, but it makes a point that I'm trying to get to, so we'll talk a bit about that later on. We're actually going to do some on-field baseball talk tonight. We're going to talk about the Cardinals bullpen later on tonight too, uh, just to kind of bring it around to start doing this. Cause at some point, at some point they're going to play baseball games. I'm still being stubborn and holding out on the belief, not the, not the hope. This is not a hopeful thing. This is just my belief in greed. I have a belief in greed that people who have a lot of money like to make money and they don't like to give away opportunities to make more money. And that's my belief at this point. I think we're going to get to opening day when we're supposed to still. But I'm starting to waver for the first time. I'm not shocked. We're not going to have spring training starting next week. And that really isn't that really isn't changing anything with regard to whether they can start on time. 
But in a few weeks, we're going to know. Because if they're not getting this, if this isn't settled by the very beginning of March, well, then opening day ain't happening when it's scheduled. So we obviously know what's coming on down the road. We're expecting to hear from Rob Manfred tomorrow. The owners' meetings are going on. And Manfred is expected to talk tomorrow morning, talk talk about you know where they are. I, I don't know exactly what tone he's going to take. I thought Joel Sherman from the New York Post made a good point about um, the the tone that Manfred should take and the approach that he should take. But as much as I think Joel Sherman makes a good point, I just don't think Rob Manfred has it in him. He thinks that you know Manfred should come out that they should pick a specific topic a specific idea in the collective bargaining and show some willingness to move say hey look we as you know the, we, we as a league the owners have talked about this and you know blah 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 you know we 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 are moving in this direction or we're gonna we're willing to work on this but I mean that's just not what, what Rob Manford is Rob Manford is a an attack dog and that's all he's going to do he's not the dog that's gonna sit on your lap and be like pet me He's not he's not the dog you're going to go play frisbee with out in the backyard. Right? He's not the he's not your buddy that's going to be like Hey friend, I want to hang out with you. No, he's the attack dog. He's the one that you let loose when there's a problem. That's what he is. He's not cuddly, he's not friendly. No, you can't come and pet him. Because we can't trust him. He he might bite you. Rob Manfred does not have that in him. And by the way, I would also argue that this is one of the reasons why Rob Manfred shouldn't be the commissioner of Major League Baseball. I know what he does, he's very good at. I think he's one of the, he's probably one of the best in the country if not in the world when it comes to labor law. I mean, he that's what he did for Major League Baseball for so many decades. And he's really good at it. I I, I think he's smart. I think he's you know, he, he knows this part of the business. I think he knows the business part of baseball. But you, you, there there has to be more than that. You have to be a consensus builder. And I understand he is at the whim of the owners. Like, he can't do anything without them. But you can still have a personality and a, and a means of communicating that leads people to think that there's cooperation. Like, you, like you can be a people person and move people and guide them and help them and you know and I'm talking about owners and players alike by the way but he he clearly isn't moving the needle on anything and the players can't stand him and he gives them every reason to not be able to stand him. Well I want to get to that a little bit next hour as well and over the next couple of days we'll talk some Super Bowl 2 uh with the the Bengals and and the Rams I'm just going to say this, man. I really want the Bengals to win for, for a number of reasons. Uh, one of those reasons being uh, that look, they, they haven't been to the Super Bowl in 40 years. It's a fan base that knows suffering, and I would love to see them have that suffering ease. You know, we as as you know, St. Louisans, we know what that's like. It's, it's the situation the Blues had for a long time. They're no longer in that situation. And I think a lot of people in the hockey world that didn't have a specific rooting interest in that Stanley Cup Finals were rooting for the Blues. And I'm rooting for the Bengals in part because of that and in part because I hate Stan Kroenke. And I don't like seeing anything good happen to him. Um, and I know it's childish, but whatever. Uh, I'm free to do that. And it's nothing against the fans in LA. It's nothing against the players. I like Matt Stafford a lot. 
Uh, Cooper Cup's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Aaron Donald's as good as there is in the National Football League. They're a fun team to watch. They're a talented team. And I think they're going to win the game. I'm hoping to change my mind in the next couple of days because I won't make an official prediction till Friday. But at this point, I'm really leaning toward Rams. And I hope that I'm wrong. So we got all of this coming up tonight. Next up, we're going to hear a little bit, just a little bit from Craig Bruby, and we'll talk about his contract extension, man. That's the big news today. Four o'clock this afternoon, the Blues sent out the tweet. Craig Bruby gets a three-year contract extension. This is an absolute no-brainer. Glad they got it done, and we'll talk about it coming up next year on Sports Open Live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, let's talk a little hockey. The NHL variety, not the Olympic variety. We'll do that Olympic variety kind a little bit later on. I want to talk a bit about, well, let's talk about Craig Berube who got a three-year contract extension from the Blues today. Um, I, I mean, to me, this is just like such an obvious thing. I'm glad they got it done. I'm glad that we're not waiting till the end of the season or anything like that. Um, he's he's had a tremendous run, uh, 60 games over 500 as the head coach, 133, 72, and 30. Uh, obviously won the Stanley Cup with you. Uh, they've been a regular contender in the time since then. And, and look, they had the, the, the period – now the 2020 year with the with the COVID shutdown and then the bubble and they didn't look good in that at all, but for the most part we're looking at a team that has been a legitimate contender and I think you know this year they have masterfully handled all of the difficulties that have been thrown their way. Um, they've got one of the best power plays in the league. Again, that's despite having players in and out of the lineup all year. Some regular injuries, obviously, like everybody else, they went through COVID problems, but some of the times they were way shorter than you would normally think uh, when it comes to that. They've reestablished themselves as one of the better home teams in the NHL. Uh, There's a lot to like about this team. I mean, when you look at the Western Conference, what do they think, fifth in in the conference in goal scoring so far on the season? Uh, you, you're seeing development of young players, which is another part of this that's really important, right? I mean, Craig Bruby stepped into a certain situation, right? That team that won the Stanley Cup was a team that had a lot of the pieces, and they've had to transition since then. I mean, you know, it's just the way that the sport is. When you have a salary cap, there's going to be the transition period where, you know, some players are going out, other players are coming in. They've done a nice job of replacing the players that go right when a Jaden Schwartz leaves or Alex Petrangelo leaves, they've had an answer for it. And it's been a little bit better, a little bit, you know, more economically sound answer when it comes to managing the cap. But as important as that, 
this coaching staff, and it's the organization as a whole, too. It's not just the coaching staff, but the coaching staff's a big part of it, led by Craig Berube. They've been able to develop young players, and they're fitting in. I mean, Jordan Cairo is a great example of a guy that's shown tremendous improvement this year based on where he's been in the past. Uh, we've seen the same kind of tremendous improvement uh, from Robert Thomas. Uh, you know, look at the development of Barbashev, who we, when he was a prospect, was a pretty good scorer. Um, weren't really sure exactly where he was going to fit on an NHL roster, but it seemed like he was a pretty sure thing to be an NHL player. And he had a certain role when he came up, the role that was available to him, right? Working in the bottom part of the lineup, j- chipping in with a lot of different things, a lot of different ways of contributing to the game. And you see, again, you see the development of a player that is now a legitimate offensive weapon while still being able to do those other jobs that he did uh, in the past couple of years. So you're seeing player development. You're seeing players get better, even even veterans, right? Even a guy like Justin Falk, who comes in in his first year, doesn't doesn't go well. He struggles. Not a great transition, but then gets better and starts to figure it out. I think we're seeing the same thing from Tory Krug. Last year was a little bit more of a struggle. Now he's a he's a much more stable part of things. And you know that's that's. First of all, there's a credit in there to all of the individual players, right? I mean, they have to do the work. They have to have the buy-in, all of that. But it's the structure. It's it's the whole picture, and, and, the, and the head coach and the coaching staff as a whole are a big part of that. And it's really cool to see, to me anyway, it's really cool to see how they've continued, even though the roster's had to transition, even though they've got new faces, continued to be one of the better teams in the Western Conference. So Craig Berube gets the three-year contract extension, and I think that, you know, it's it, you listen to the way that he's talked about all of this, and he had some interesting things to say a little bit ago. In fact, uh, the Blues posted uh, an interview that Craig Berube did via Zoom with uh, Joy Vitale a little bit ago, and I want to play just a clip out of that um, that – you know, t- that shows you a little bit about what he is. I, mean, I think we all know what he is. Like, my favorite part about having Craig Bruby as a coach in town is, sure, you're, you got a good product. You, you know, what the, the message that they send makes sense. He gets buy-in from the team, all of that. But it's also his honesty. Like, I really appreciate somebody that's in the position of a head coach who isn't going to BS the fans, who isn't going to, you know try to avoid difficulty or avoid difficult topics. Whether the team is going really well or the team is really struggling, this coach doesn't really change how he handles things. He's going to tell you what he's seeing. Your message, the message you and I receive, probably isn't word for word the message that the players receive, but the idea seems to be very much the same. When somebody's playing well, that's what he says. When somebody needs to bring more, that's what he says. And, you know, in sports, we don't always get that. Normally, you get you get, you get the bland version of the truth, right? It doesn't mean that head coaches or managers or whatever, they're not, they're not always lying, but they're always softening criticism. And with Bruby, it's not his criticism never comes across as mean or personal or anything like that. It's just kind of matter of fact, and it's something about his personality that's really appealing. And here, again, this is from uh, the Blues website, stlblues.com. I know, shocking. And he's talking to Joy Vitale about 
doing the contract talks while also coaching a team. And obviously it's a team that's got a chance to do some fun things this year. Yeah, I think over time you just learn to deal with that kind of stuff. And uh, I think that um, I've gotten pretty good at it. Like it really didn't bother me. And I really didn't worry about it at all. Um, You know, I, I just like doing what I do so much. That's, that's my focus. And uh, when you go to the rink every day and you're around the players and the coaches and you're busy and you're, you know, doing all kinds of things around there, it really keeps your mind uh, occupied for sure. You don't have a lot of time to think about that stuff. Obviously, when the day's over, maybe later on you do. But, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I've been very fortunate and lucky with, uh, you know, as a player and a coach and, um, you know, I just I keep my head down and I go and work and I coach and that's my main focus. And um, I've learned that over time uh, that it's very important and I think that's what helps me get through them kind of things. So, like I, I really didn't worry about it too much. I, you know, if, uh, I'm, you know, whether it got done or where whether it didn't got done, I had a job to do and that's all I was going to focus on. And again, you know, look, we all know that these guys are dealing with multiple things, right? I mean, you're dealing with you know, your team, your sport, player, coach, whatever. You're dealing with your team. You're dealing with your family. You know, in this case, you know, you've got that little extra thing there. You know, the contracts come and do. And yeah, you can knock that out after the season. I think you know, I think that I, I, that's why I appreciate that idea that you're focusing on the present um, because that that is entirely it. And I think you know, may, maybe I'm overthinking this from afar, but I do seem to think that that's part of what has really helped him when it comes to handling, you know, the, I don't want to say handling the, the locker room because that makes it sound like they're a problem, but because it doesn't mean that there's a problem, but this is part of what I think makes him a good coach is that the focus is on, there's a job to do. This is the job. This is what I need to know. This is what you need to do to contribute to that. And, the, and it's very clearly Lined up. Here's what it is. Let's do this. Distractions don't have to be a big part of it. So awesome to see the three-year extension for Craig Berube. And we'll look forward to uh, seeing how that plays out. I I seriously hope we're not doing this, you know, hockey thing, this NHL thing where like a year and a half into that, we're like, well, need a new voice. Because I, I, I don't know why, but hockey seems to have more changes in that regard than anybody else. And I'm not sure that it makes a whole lot of sense, although I do get it. Even even some of the most successful head coaches and managers across sports have said sometimes the message just gets stale, but hopefully it won't because I really I really appreciate this particular coach's style. All right, I mentioned that Olympic hockey story. Normally, you know, the Olympics with the NHL players is a lot of fun. It's similar to you know to the World Cup of hockey. It's a, it you know you've got some of the best accumulations of talent. I mean, really, you've got like four or five All Star teams when you have the NHL players in the Olympics. Well, I've, I got the story from Greg Wyshynski today from ESPN.com that is just mind-boggling to me when you think about what the Olympics are, right? The, the Olympics are about people coming together to represent their country in the highest level of competition available in most of these sports. Not necessarily true for basketball or for, for hockey or whatever. It's not necessarily the highest level for that, but still pretty awesome when you got a group of all-star teams there. But... The Chinese team, the Chinese hockey team, has an interesting method of building this. And I don't understand why the Olympic Committee allows this kind of thing to go on because it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit what the Olympics are allegedly about. 
We'll get into that coming up in a few minutes here on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, so I saw this story today from ESPN.com, and it is actually a really interesting story, but it doesn't, uh, on one level, I totally understand it, and on another level, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Like, for example, I understand why an athlete, when presented the opportunity to go play in the Olympics, to go perform in the Olympics, would want to do that, right? I mean, wouldn't you? If you're a professional athlete, wouldn't you love the opportunity to perform in the Olympics? I understand that even as a part of what we're going to talk about, that also came with um, a two-year contract as a professional player to perform in the KHL, which is the second-best hockey league in the world behind the NHL. I know there are some others in the Swedish league, a few others that would probably argue that, but if it's not second-best, it's in that conversation. But the story from Greg Wyshynski from ESPN.com is really fascinating. It was posted today, and it's about the Chinese national hockey team and the North American hockey players with no ties to China from heritage, from their family, anything like that, playing for the Chinese Olympic hockey team. It's really an odd thing. So he starts it off, Greg Wyshynski does, and I think Greg does a great job. I'm a fan of of his writing. He's a fun interview. He's a good dude. I really enjoy his work. He starts off by telling the story of Jeremy Smith. Jeremy Smith is from Dearborn, Michigan. He's been a hockey player for a long time. He's playing in the AHL um, in, in, in recent years, obviously not, not anymore because of this deal. Because the part of him getting to play for the Chinese national hockey team, the Olympic hockey team, was him signing a contract for two years, joining a team that they had put together that would play in the Continental Hockey League in Russia. So this was a two-year commitment. You come over, you're going to play in the in the pros, eventually you're going to play in the Olympics, and this was the deal. And they did this with other players too. You might remember the name of Brandon Yip, who played in the NHL. He's Canadian, uh, Canadian birth. Uh, Jake Chelios, a couple other guys that played in the NHL. Um, the, the the folks running the hockey program for China um, also paid people like Wayne Gretzky and Philip Esposito to advise on the program. Mike Keenan coached the team in the KHL. And we've seen this with coaches all across the Olympics, right? All across sports. So that's not a weird thing at all, right? We've seen Americans coaching the Italian baseball team, you know, for example, like that, that's a little bit different animal to me, the coaching side, but the athletes not having citizenship in the country that they're playing for, not having any ties to this country. I'm like, okay, it's one thing like, Hey, my parents came over from Italy or Greece or China or France or whatever. And because of that familial tie, I, I can pers- I'm going I'm going to participate for this team in the Olympics. I can get that. Right? Going leaning on your heritage, going back to something, you know, going back to a part of the world that has it has impact on your life. 
But it's really strange. And this is not only this story. This is happening more and more with the Olympics. And that's that's the point that I want to get into this. This isn't just about the Chinese Olympic hockey team having a bunch of guys from North America with no, again, no familial link to China at all. And no, really, you know, it's not like they were like living there for 10 years as a businessman and, you know, you, you got dual citizenship. You can't have that, by the way, in China. They don't allow dual citizenship. But apparently, the only thing you need in some sports, I don't know if this is every sport or some sports, but apparently the only thing you really need is a passport from the country that you're representing. And obviously, each country decides whether or not they want to give you a passport. They all set their own standards for whether or not somebody can have a passport and how what they have to do to get one. So when they approached Jeremy Smith about this, according to Greg Wyshynski's story, he said, man, it sounds interesting. You know, it's a two-year contract to play professionally, get a chance to go to the Olympics. But I can't, and his words were, I can't renounce my U.S. citizenship, which is understandable, right? I mean, you're born and raised here. Don't have any, and they, and he, and he according to him, the response was, don't worry. We're not going to ask you to do that. We'll still get you qualified for the Olympics. And again, I, I don't hold anything against anybody involved. I, is, I, I don't care that this is the direction that the, that the Chinese hockey program wanted to go. I don't care that Jeremy Smith and Brandon Yip and others that, that are from North America looked at it and said, hey, this is a good opportunity. Get to do something cool. Get a professional contract out of it to play in the KHL. I got, I got zero issue with any of that. What I don't understand is why the why the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, allows this. I don't understand. The whole concept behind the Olympics is that athletes from all over the world come to compete for their nation against other elite athletes. That is the entire premise of the Olympics. And it feels like now, depending on the sport, there are all kinds of exceptions. This has happened, by the way, with Olympic baseball. You have people playing for other countries that don't live there, don't have citizenship there, might have somebody somewhere down the line in the family tree that came from there, but even that can be loosely interpreted. And I don't think this is exactly why the Olympics don't mean what they used to mean. I think there are a lot of reasons for that. This is maybe this is a fraction of it. Some of it is just, hey, man, we, you know, when the Olympics were really a big deal, people just didn't have that many things on TV to watch. You know, the Olympics rolled around every four years and you'd get to see all these cool sports that you don't follow all the time and they're in primetime television and it's every night and you kind of get into it for two weeks. Well, you know, with all the other ways you can entertain yourself now, all the streaming services, I just I don't think there's as much draw to the Olympics from the practical standpoint of there being just that much more competition now. A lot more competition for your time and your eyeballs. And some of it also is the just the vast amounts of corruption that have been uncovered when it comes to the Olympics, the bidding process. Um, the payoffs, the, all the nonsensical stuff that's gone on all around the world over the last... I mean, it's, it's gone on forever, I'm sure. But it's been uncovered and it's been more known for the last 10, 15, 20 years. And I think there's just been a gradual degradation 
of people's interest in the Olympics. But so I, I don't know, man. I like if, but if you're gonna do this, if you're gonna have the international competition where teams are, where people are competing with the name of a country on their uniform, you're representing. Shouldn't there be more to representing the country than just being asked to? Otherwise, what are we even doing this for? Let's just let people compete in individual sports individually. You're not going as a part of a country. You just qualify for yourself, and you put your own last name on your uniform. <laughs> you can choose your own colors. Be like boxing, right? You know, you got your special color of trunks that you like, and sometimes it's fancy, sometimes it's not. Maybe you have your name there, maybe you don't. But it doesn't make any sense for this to be about nations competing against other nations and the medal count and all that when you just have such loose rules about who can go where. Highly recommend the piece on ESPN.com. It's super interesting, uh, well-written, and it, it does provide context. Like, I mean, again, I understand, you know, that hockey in China is still kind of in its early stages. They don't have a lot of players they weren't going to be allowed to participate if they didn't have the players from North America because they would be so inexperienced that it would be completely unfair. I mean, it would just be, they'd just be getting blown out every game, and that's not what the Olympics are about either. But it's funny because, you know, as, as this guy, Jeremy Smith, who's the goalie, describes it, he's like, we've got a Russian defenseman, we've got a Chinese defenseman, a Canadian defenseman, an American defenseman. Like, what? What are we doing? Just make it make sense. And by the way, this is part of the problem, and I would call it part of the corruption of the whole thing. We don't want to upset the host nation, so we've got to let make some exceptions so that they can have their stupid team in there that doesn't belong. If the fact is that your country isn't ready to have a team in the Olympics in a particular sport, then you don't get to have the team in the sport, whether you're the host country or not. But nope, we can't do that because they're paying all the bills, so we got to give them what they want. Again, doesn't matter what country it is. In this case, obviously, it's China. But I do recommend the read because it's interesting and there's a lot more depth to it than I can give you in just a short segment. I, I just... I just don't understand at all why the Olympics are so lax with this concept. Because it really is nothing to do with what the Olympics have always been about. All right, let's change gears a little bit. I want to do a little baseball uh, later in the show. I'm going to talk a bit about the Cardinals. Um, I want to do a little bit of a labor conversation here because we are waiting to hear from Rob Manfred tomorrow. Uh, The players... Uh, the owners are meeting today. The players, um, the players' union is going around to Florida and Arizona, meeting with players here today. Um, so we're getting the two sides talking amongst themselves. But from what I saw just a little bit ago, and I forgot who tweeted it, so I'm sorry. But uh, it was a it was a, a national base. Oh no, sorry, it was Joe Sheehan. Joe Sheehan tweeted this earlier today. It's now been 16 days since the baseball owners have made a proposal to the union. 16 days. The owners are the ones locking the players out. The owners are the ones dragging their heels. Why? Why? 
Did you not make enough money in these last 10 years when players' salaries were going down that you can't give a little back? Do you not see the increases in revenue coming with gambling legalized all over the country and all the places that are going to be having sports books in their baseball stadiums? You don't see all that happening? What are we doing? And, of course, I mentioned that Joel Sherman piece in the New York Post talking about Rob Manfred and what he hopes to hear from Rob Manfred tomorrow. I'll tell you what you're going to hear from Rob Manfred tomorrow next up. You're on KMOX. So the owners in Major League Baseball are meeting these days. They got the owners meetings going on. We are expecting to hear from Rob Manfred tomorrow. Um, he He's going to speak, I guess, at the end of those owners' meetings. I, we don't know what he's going to say. Probably probably not a lot that we're going to like. It'll be lawyer speak, and I'm sure it'll be... Here's the thing. And I, I want to start with the piece that Joel Sherman wrote in the New York Post because it's a, it's a, it's a smart piece, and I think he makes a good point. Essentially, what he says is... That what Rob Manfred should do tomorrow is come out and offer an olive branch to the Players Association. He should come out tomorrow, say, here's an issue that we've been talking about. We're willing to move, make some significant movement on that topic, get the ball rolling, build some trust, and go from there. But what we're going to hear is going to be the exact opposite of that. What we're going to hear is, We feel that we've put forth a great offer for the players. Our players don't have a salary cap. It's the only sport in North America that doesn't have a salary cap. Even though it really does, it's just called a luxury tax instead of a salary cap. You notice how few teams even go close to that number? Because they don't want want to go over that. And I don't think it's outright collusion. Because if it were, I think the players would be saying that word. And they're not saying that word, so... It's pretty clear they don't think that's what it is or they don't think they can prove it. But if it's not being thrown around in this conversation, then it's not something we need to consider. But I think that the ownership side with Manfred as the face has played this poorly from the beginning. They played it poorly in 2020 by throwing the players' union under the bus during the, during the COVID talks. And again, I don't care if you disagree with them. I don't care if you fight with them and argue with them. Stop denigrating your product. Stop saying bad things about the players that you're going to be using to sell tickets. Because how do you do this? How How do you say all these terrible things about the Players Association and then once it's over be like, Hey, everybody, come buy our product. We have the best. Like, You've got to do a better job of, of bringing people together in some way. And again, I know that's man, not Manfred's strength. So what we're going to hear from him tomorrow is we've made strong proposals that we believe are best for the game. Uh, you know, we, we don't want to diminish small markets anymore, put them in any more of a difficult position than they're in right now. Blah, 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 blah. But what's ignored in all of that is how much money Major League Baseball teams have made the last 10 years. Revenue has skyrocketed. And again, I I, I, uh, I know for a fact that everybody involved took a beating in 2020, right? 
I know it. I mean, we all know it. But 10 years ago, baseball's annual revenue was $7.5 billion. In 2019, it was almost $11 billion. So it went up a little less than $4 billion. It went up $3, 3500000000 billion in seven, eight years. And between 2017 and now, payroll has gone down. The amount of money going to the players has gone down. So revenues go up and the payrolls go down. The luxury tax has remained flat. And I I, I guess at what point do you have enough to say, let's give back a little of what we won in the last two because we've really benefited from that over the last 10 years. Because we want to make sure that we continue to sell our product, right? I'm not asking anybody, by the way, with the owners to do anything that's just in the best interest of the players or anything else. I'm asking you to do what's in the best interest of your sport for the long term. You're growing. Don't don't hold that back. Because you have to win this particular battle. I got a little bit more on the baseball labor stuff coming your your way to start the next hour. We're going to hear from Roger Goodell. We're going to talk about the Cardinals' bullpen, by the way, some on-field baseball. So hang tight. We got a lot to do coming up after the news. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.